Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. I've been talking about this for a while. The whole world seems to be going through some type of identity shift and some type of identity crisis, some type of identity questioning. When external situations change and you have to adapt and go through something, you always go through it asking yourselves questions like, well, who am I in light of this? What does this mean about me? What does this mean about my job or my family or my faith or who God is? And, and unfortunately, a lot of times people develop beliefs about God based on external circumstances and situations. That is the worst way to develop your theology. It's circumstantial theology. You want to develop your theology based on who God is, who he has revealed himself to be in his word, his written word, and then you want to give that written word an opportunity to become the living word within you, right? I praise God if you can quote chapters and verses. Awesome. Good job. That should be a goal. But can you sit with the Word of God and meditate on it to the degree that it becomes the living Word and it changes you and it transforms some part of your life? It drives you away from destructive patterns, you know? And unfortunately, a lot of people hear this good news message that Jesus was judged for every single sin of yours, past, present, and future, <clears throat> and fall into a ditch thinking, well, I've lived my whole life thinking God was mad at me. Praise God, I understand now that Jesus was my sin offering and I can never sin my way out of it. And then some people will use that, unfortunately, as a liberty to fall back into sin and think that it's okay. And it's like, no, Paul refuted that. It's like, God forbid, that's not what we're saying. Don't you know? Don't you know that you're not under the power of sin anymore, but you're under the power of grace? Live free. And so, you know, some people fall into a ditch and don't pursue a lifestyle of transformation. And that's what I want for myself. That's what I want for my family. That's what I want for you guys. I want us to experience legitimate transformation, you know, and not stuff that you work for, but transformation that comes from you engaging the Word of God, the Spirit of God, and it changes you, your desires, those things that you want to do. You just find yourself not so selfish anymore, thinking about other people more. Stepping out in your faith a little bit more, being more generous to sow into the things that God would lead you to sow into, you know? And, I, and I'm, I'm really not talking about just being a better person. I'm talking about being conformed and shaped into the image of Christ. That's the process that we're in. You have been given righteousness. You have been given right standing with the Father because of what Jesus did for you. And I pray that you stand in that well. I pray that you live a life that honors what Jesus gave you, right? And I, and I think a lot of us are so bound by religion that we're just, we're just barely getting by. But if, if there's ever a time for the body of Christ to rise up, I think every generation probably says that, it, it's now. You know, I just have some things stirring within me. I was talking to the worship team beforehand. You know, I, I see, I, you know, prayer walks. There was a pastor in Atlanta I don't know if you guys caught this. This was a couple of weeks ago. He, you know, made it to the news. <clears throat> Shouldn't be happening all the time. I'm just wondering, what if every church got out there and, it, and just kind of prayed? 
And I'm not saying pray to try to convince God to get up and do something, but use our authority. He put life and death in the power of our mouth and our tongue, and we go out and we speak life. You know, we shift what's going on. We sow a different narrative into our communities because the only narrative that people are getting right now is division and strife and social issues and governmental issues and a political campaign season ramping up. And if you think it's bad now, just wait for the next couple of months. It's going to get crazier. It, it just will. And that stuff matters. It's important. It, it, it is. But, you know, that, that's what I see. I see the church can change the narrative by us going out and just being who we are. And I'm not, I'm not talking about what you think your right is regarding the virus and the situation and all that kind of stuff. I'm not, it's like just, you know, I'm not called to comment on that stuff. I'm called to proclaim the gospel. And that's what I want to see the church do. So I have some ideas. I have some things rolling around, you know. So if you, if you have those same kinds of ideas, I'm hearing two things, and I've never really been a part of these kinds of things. I've done a lot of personal street witnessing, probably led a couple hundred people to the Lord in, on the streets of Atlanta and Buckhead, when, where we lived at the time, the first you know, year that I really realized that you could do that. you know. <clears throat> but I'm thinking prayer walks or some type of prayer, public prayer gatherings and maybe some type of public worship stuff. You know, and I think a lot of how many of you have kind of just been hearing something like that? Or you've been thinking, how can we how can we influence how people think? Right. How can we influence how the culture, how the world is looking at this situation right now? And I'm not saying we're going to jump out there and fix the government, although that might could be a residual effect. Yeah, I'm saying we just go out there and we at least we give people another opportunity to look at something else. So. One of the things, and so I've been thinking about, huh? How would you do that? Well, we're working on it, yeah. Like I said, what I'm hearing right now are prayer walks and public worship. So we're going to, I'm just, this is just fresh. I'm throwing it out there. We're going to meet as a team and a staff, and you will hear something more uh, concrete about this that, you know, you can choose to be a part of or not. Um, no condemnation one way or the other. But I was... So I've been thinking this way, and then over the last couple of days, I heard about this guy out in California. I don't really know anything about the guy. Uh, I think his name is Sean Foyt, somebody that knows him. Is that how you say his last name? Yeah. Is that how you say his name, Foyt? But this guy, I'm getting texts. Why am I getting, is that me whistling? It's Forward Church just texted me. That's hilarious. Um, which... That wasn't, that wasn't me. That was me. I'm turning off my phone right now. So this guy, Foyt, I guess he's a worship leader. I don't really know much about the guy. But, um, you know, I've just I've started following his Instagram, and I see that they've just done some public worship gatherings in, like, places in Oklahoma. Well, last night they had one in Portland, and we all know, like, so Portland, where's your mind go? Yeah, riots, right? Well, now, so they had thousands of people. Their estimates were between seven and 10,000 people showed up for a public worship session. Now, you know, they, they've got a bit of a, or it looks like an organization behind them to kind of pull off a larger scale thing like that, but it's like, man, our communities deserve that as well. I, I really think that we do. We all need to be doing our parts in the fields that we're called to and the things that we can do. And, and, and I think the church, 
can be called to it, at least just something else to, for the world to look at. And say, oh, okay. You know, some, like a lifeline of hope out there. A, a raft of something that's like, oh, okay, yes, that. I've been seeing this, and I've been seeing this, and I've been seeing this. And, oh, oh, that, okay, yes, hope. You know? It, just, just to give God, just to give people an opportunity to shift their focus even a little bit. And God is a master at taking advantage of opportunities like that when people turn their hearts and their minds, even just a little bit, you know. It's the goodness of God that brings people to repentance. Let's go out there and proclaim it. And, and, you know, we're going to talk about it. If this sounds interesting to you, send me an email of what you, how, you know, it's like, I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm in. Info at forward.church. Send us an email and we'll start putting a team together and we'll just figure this out, you know. I just kind of, I mean, we're all in it together. We might as well, right? Amen. I'm just feeling that. So we've been talking about the last few weeks about nurturing spiritual desires. And who knows, maybe this is a result of me having done this. You know, I've kind of just, I've really been putting this to practice myself. And maybe this is just kind of one of those spiritual desires rising up for me. It could be. I'm willing to, you know, give God the credit for that. How nice of me, right? (laughs) Willing to give God the credit. Um, But in nurturing spiritual desires, we recognize how sensual we are. And by sensual, I mean how five sense led we are. We're led by what we see, taste, feel, touch, right? That we're typically led by and we have thoughts that are mostly created by what our five senses pick up. And then we live our lives in such a way where You know, we want to feel good, we want to be comfortable, we want to eat something that tastes good, we want everything, you know, we want the pillow around us. I was watching a comedian, and uh, he was talking about crazy things that people do. He's like, I'm not impressed by your tattoos and all that kind of stuff. He goes, no, this is what would impress me. Somebody sews a pillow to the back of their head. (laughs) You're ready for a nap anywhere. And I just thought, you know, we've got these pillows around our heads where it's like we're just looking for comfort, you know what I mean? And I'm not trying to shame anyone. I'm not trying to make anyone feel bad. I'm just like, we, we, we recognize how driven we are by our five physical senses. But we also have spiritual senses. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Hear, O Israel, right? God is speaking to us. The, we want the eyes of our heart enlightened to have understanding, to know what God is doing. You know, and I caught myself yesterday out in the backyard with the dog. I was thinking, like, what's Jesus doing right now? In a, in a good way, you know, not, not, not critical, like, what are you, what's going on? Like, most of you know, my perspective is the world's in the condition that it's in because of what we've done to it. God said, here, I'm giving you temporary dominion over this place until I take it back and bring the restoration of all things. In the meantime, you go. It would be nice if you invite me into your life as well. <laughs> now, obviously, he's God. He can do whatever he wants to do, and he's done things throughout the ages, you know. But, but in general, the world's in the condition that it's in, not because of a script that God wrote, but because of what we've done to it. Um, so, you know, we start talking about nurturing these spiritual desires. And, and I don't know that I can really explain to you how that you can do that, but I pray that you take that and you go with it. And so we've done lots of exercises over the past couple of weeks to renew our minds. I actually did one in the face church Facebook group 
or I just kind of in front of everybody, I just kind of went through that particular website, the openbible.info website that I was talking about last week, looked at it, looked up a couple of topics, and looked at several passages related to, so I did one on anxiety and depression, and just went through several passages and kind of, you know, spoke it out and prayed, and then the goal would be to, you identify a deceitful desire, and this is a review if you haven't been here, but a deceitful desire meaning you have desires, and when you seek to fulfill them in ungodly ways, you have been deceived that that type of fulfillment is what you really want, but God has a better way. There's nothing that you want and desire that is not birthed from the way that God created you. You might just have a broken or bent or even perverted perspective of how to fulfill that desire. And so we're talking about nurturing those spiritual desires, identifying the emotions that drive the destructive behavior. You know, a lot of church focuses on sin behaviors. Well, I want to focus on the root of those behaviors, which is doubt, unbelief, you know, not knowing who you are in Christ. James 1.13 we've talked about. You're, you're, when you're tempted, you're drawn away of your own desire. When, you have, when, you're, when your faith is going through a test and a trial because of something that you have brought into your life. It's not God doing that to you to make you more holy. You've brought that into your life. So we want to nurture spiritual desires. So it's been practical over the last couple of weeks of things to do. And I, and I hope that you're doing those things. And those things would be this in a nutshell. I have fear in my life. I have worry over finances. I'm worried about my children. You go to the Word of God. You find out what it says about those topics you get you a collection of scriptures, and you read them. So what you're doing is you're giving the written word an opportunity to become the living word so that it changes your inner state, it changes your expectations, it changes your emotions, it changes your thoughts, it wipes away fear, it shifts your focus back from the lack in the world to the provision of God. And you're writing on your heart and your mind the written word so that it becomes the living word and changes you changes the other parts of you. You know, your spirit's perfected already in Christ, but the other parts of your life. You have anxiety, you have fear, you have worry, you have depression, you have concern, you have a lack of focus. The Bible has something to say about that kind of stuff. Do you know what it has to say about what you're struggling with? Do you feel me? It's there. Like, all the solutions are there. And he wants them to be manifest in our life. He wants us to be able to engage his word in such a way that it changes us and it brings hope and it brings solutions and it brings healing. And it's not just listening to sermons. It's actively engaging the word of God. And so what I want to do today is kind of sow to spirit. I'll read a couple of passages. We'll get there and kind of explain a little bit more what I'm talking about. But, <clears throat> you know, I want to speak to who you are as a child of God, right? I want to speak to who you are as how God sees you. In other words, you are that righteous and holy, redeemed, purchased person. If you've said yes to Jesus, that's how God sees you. Does he see your sin? Of course he sees your sin. He just already dealt with it in Jesus. Does that mean it's okay to continue in it? Of course not. It's going to kill you. Stop it. Say, stop it. Stop it. 
Lyle, you didn't say stop it. <laughs> you, you're in the zone. <laughs> uh, I'm like meditating as I'm preaching at the same time. I feel like I'm going really slow rather than really fast, but I'm just, you know, I'm just kind of wanting to stay open to the Lord. So let's go through some of these. So I'm speaking to who you are in the, as a child of God, who you are as a resident in the kingdom of God, not your sinful behaviors. You know what you're doing wrong, don't you? Just ask the people that you live with, you know, the people that live in your same house. If you're confused, if you struggle with sin sometimes, ask the people that you live with. They will be more than happy. Well, maybe not. You know what I'm saying. And your only hope to be free from that stuff is to know who you are in Christ so that you can adopt and put on that new man and break free from the destructive patterns of our old dead man. And so I want to speak to your new man today. I want to kind of remind you of who you are. You, you ever do that with your kids? You're like, look, however you do it, look, this, our family doesn't do that. This is, this is how we handle things, you know. You know what I'm saying? I think God is doing that to us. Like, look, this is who you are. This is the price that I paid for you. This is how I see you. This is how this type of person lives. Not because God is angry at you, but he's like, I just know that if you would live this way, it would be so much better for you. So I want to sow into you, into your spirit a little bit, if I can use that language, and kind of help you remember who you are in Christ a little bit. And as you nurture those identi that identity, those spiritual desires, then because... So when here's what happens. God will move on your heart and motivate you to do something that might be radically different than what you normally do in your life. And it's a thing to bring glory and honor to him and probably bless you in the process. But because we don't, we can't, we don't own the identity of a person that would do that, whatever that might be, we don't take that action. As small as it might be, down to making food choices, how you handle your finances, how you treat people, and how you're fulfilling the call of God on your life from one end of the spectrum to the other. Because we don't see ourselves that way, the way God sees us, we don't step into what he's calling us into. So I, want, I just want to, you know, pepper your brain a little bit and your heart and your mind and everything else in you to just remember a little bit, all right? So here we go. Ultimately, this is the bottom line. I'll go ahead and give you the bottom line. We are the children of God. God made a promise to Abraham long time ago that through his seed, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And the inheritance of that seed, in other words, what Christ inherited from the Father is the Spirit and the opportunity to be a blessing to the entire world. And we, as children of Abraham, in Christ, children of God, and I'll kind of unpack all that a little bit, we get to be the fulfillment of God promising to Abraham, your offspring will be a blessing to all nations. Y'all ready? All right. We're going to start in Romans 8, 5. We've been talking about this a lot. This is a little bit reminder. For those who, for those who are according to the flesh, set their mind. So how do you live in the flesh? You set your mind on it first. What is flesh? Flesh is self-effort. It's self-righteousness. It's I'm going to meet my needs myself. It's living by my five senses. It's 
this is what feels good for me right now. I, I'm scared and I need this. Get away. And I realize that it's sin, but I'm still going to give in. That's flesh thinking. That's flesh mindedness. I'm going to fulfill it on my own. So on those things, that kind of thinking, uh, on the flesh, let's see. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. And that's what we're talking about, setting your mind on these things. For the mind set on flesh is death. If you're just watching the news and watching all the division and watching the riots and keeping up with all the virus stats, and I'm not talking about how you're responding to it. I'm just talking about what it is that you're putting in there. And I'm not trying to tell you what you're supposed to think about that kind of stuff. That's between you and God. For the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. I want my mind set on the spirit. That's what we've been talking about. And so your mind... What your mind is set on is death or life. And then also, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. The original language, basically what that's saying is this. You will, have, you will eat the fruit of what your tongue loves to empower, whether it be life or death. In other words, the fruit of what you speak is what you're going to have in your life. And then we talked about your self-talk in your mind, how you think about yourself and how you talk about yourself. You give that stuff place, it will lead you to life or to death. So the power of life and death are in our thoughts and in our tongue. And we want to speak life. I'm not talking about magically speaking life and making things happen. I'm talking about sowing seeds in your own heart that bear fruit. Like what Jesus teaches in Mark 4, Matthew 13, the secret... The mystery of the kingdom is you put the word in you and the, 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 the receptivity of your heart to his word will determine the degree of the kingdom you will experience in this life. That's a whole thing. But All right, so. And we talked about praying in the spirit, praying with the spirit. If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays or an unknown tongue. And tongue just means language. We're talking about an unknown language or a spiritual language or however you'd want to say it. For if I pray and in tongue my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful, what is the outcome then? I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with the mind also. I will sing with the spirit and I will sing with the mind also. But when your mind is freaking out, you can bypass that. God gave us this secret weapon of praying with our spirit. Because life and death are in the power of the tongue, it's almost like you're yielding your mouth, bypassing your thoughts. You're yielding your human authority to God to speak and pray. And that's what he says, you know, in Romans 8, he continues on to that. It's, it's the Spirit interceding through you for you. I want God praying through me for me. I want to use that gift. And if you don't use that gift, that doesn't mean that you don't have the Holy Ghost. You got the Holy Ghost when you got born again. But then it's your choice to operate in that gift or not. So what you think and what you speak will produce life. Now, going into this week, sowing to the Spirit. Again, talking about not giving in to those deceitful desires. So one, one of the desires that I talked about is you're watching what's going on in the world around you right now, and you are tempted to give in to the desire to buy into division. You're being tempted daily right now to buy into division. You want righteousness. You want justice in all areas as it should be, right? 
but then we're tempted by all the stuff that's going on and we're giving in to the desire, which further segments us, you know, makes us tribal rather than one nation, one family, one body. So, you know, the temptation that's more destructive and not necessarily a temptation for a behavior, although that's bad, it's more so in your heart. What emotions am I giving into? Because that's what's driving the behavior. I'm kind of relaying all that again. That's all the past couple of weeks. And so we're going to go into this week. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So when you hear God talking to you, it should include God reminding you that you're his child. Hey, I paid for you. You know, I'm not sure so much God's saying, I brought you into this world, I can take you out of this world. <laughs> I'm not talking about that type of dad. But it's like, look, you're my child. I'm with you. Yes. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God. Like, just, just meditate on that for a while. I'm an heir of God. I inherited God. You know, my, I had the, you know, fortunate situation to receive a little bit of inheritance from my parents. I mean, you know, I'm not driving a Bugatti or nothing like that as a result of it. But, I mean, it's, you know, it helped, helped have a little bit nicer house. And it was difficult, you know. You kind of have to go through this transition to be able to receive it and walk in it. And Because I've worked hard my entire life, and I had this, and I had to process. I'm like, oh, this is. But then, then, you, then you can live within the blessing of it. And I think what helped us live within the blessing of it more than anything was opening it to be a blessing to others. And we've had some great get-togethers at the house, and it's just such a blessing. It's such a blessing to sit out on that porch and watch people have fun and watch God do his thing, you know. So I think if you don't understand your inheritance, you don't understand that you are, we, we, the body of Christ, are the fulfillment of the promise to Abraham that the body of Christ would be a blessing to all nations. That's the bottom line that I want you to walk out of here with today. The body of Christ is the inheritance of the promise to Abraham that we are a blessing to all nations. Now, what does that look like for you? Good question. You get to figure that out. But we're going to do some things together, too, along the way, right? And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ... Provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Now, what did Christ suffer that you can also suffer? He suffered on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin. You can't do that. God will not make you suffer as judgment for your sin. Jesus already did that for you. Does that mean you should continue in sin? No. Thank you. Jesus died and went into the grave to, as a human, conquer the power of death. Can you suffer that? Can you raise up out of the grave and suffer the fate that it takes to pass back up into the heavenly holy of holies with your own blood and offer it as a testimony of righteousness for all those that would come through that blood? Can you suffer that? I don't think so. So what did he suffer that we can suffer? Persecution. Persecution for what? Proclaiming the gospel, right? That's what it's talking about. We hear suffering and we immediately think, well, 
I'm sick or my loved one is suffering with an incurable disease or I've had financial hardship my entire life or I was born into a culture that is just never going to be able to progress or, you know, whatever, however you'd frame it. Not talking about that kind of stuff. Not talking about the world's conditional things that we suffer. You know, if you lose your job and then you lose your house and then your wife leaves you, that is not the kind of suffering that this is talking about. It's only, and, and I'm telling you, do this, and I'm firm on this. You go through and you look at all the parts of Scripture that talk about the kind of suffering that God endorses, and it has everything to do with persecution, not difficulty in everyday circumstances. All right, we've got a lot. I'm going to read through an entire chapter of Galatians, but I'm just going to kind of let the Word speak for itself. But I want to set it up this way. Remember, we're sowing into your who you are in Christ because you want to nurture those desires that match that identity and, and, and be a blessing, right? That's what we want to be. So, are you with me? Oh, yeah. Making sense? Yep. Galatians 5, 16 and 17. But I say walk by the Spirit. How do you do that? Romans 8, we went through all of that. You set your mind on the things of the Spirit. And your mind will determine the direction that you go. You set your heart on things above. That will determine the direction that you go. Walking by the Spirit doesn't mean you somehow magically have a vision and then you see something over there and they're at spiritual dimension and you're going to walk somehow in between. You know, I'm not even sure what the mystical side is. It's like walking in the Spirit is you're just following God. You have thoughts that match His thoughts about you related to what Christ has done for you. Uh, for the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. I put this in here because I want to hit again the idea of us just giving in to those emotional temptations that we have. The emotional temptation to be afraid. When God says, I've not given you the spirit of fear, but power and love is sound mind. Do you know how to take the word of God when you're feeling afraid, hold on to it until it's bigger than the fear that you're facing? Or do you sit underneath the weight of the fear and pray that God might do something to come through and help you? Are you with me? It's an offensive approach. It's I'm going after this thing. I, if, my, if, if, my, if the state of my mind and what's in my mouth determines whether I have life or death, then I'm going to use those faculties to bring about life. I'm going to use those tools. I'm going to use that aspect of my being to present myself to the opportunity to have life. I'm not just going to sit and be a victim. Even if you've been victimized, you don't have to stay a victim. Even if you have legitimate trauma of an injustice that was done to you, you do not have to live with the pain of that thing. That's your choice. And God gives us the way out of it. Galatians 6, 8, For the one who sows to his own flesh will, reap, will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. That's what I want. And I'm talking about on a daily life thing. You know, we're not talking about whether or not you're saved or whether or not you're going to lose your salvation because you sinned once. Verse 9, and let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. 
So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Don't give up. Say, don't give up. Don't give up. All right, I'm going to read this whole chapter. And if you check out on this because you're thinking about one of the other things, that's all right. Galatians 3, go read it this week. I'm going to do a thing in the Facebook group where we walk through it together and just kind of a meditative exercise to renew our minds. So, But again, the goal of it is the promise to Abraham fulfilled in Christ, Christ in us, we're joint heirs with him to go into the world and be a blessing to the nations. That, that's just, that's what's on my mind. And I will trust that the Holy Spirit and you worked that out in your own heart and in your own life. All right, so, oh foolish, see now, Paul had to write so often because Judaizers and Pharisees would creep back into these places that had started to establish the way, a Christian perspective of following God, righteousness that was revealed by faith, no longer by a pursuit of the law, which it couldn't bring righteousness anyway. So Paul had to correct a lot of places that they'd started to follow Jesus, but they crept back into legalism. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing Him with faith? Are you so foolish, have begun by the Spirit, and now you're being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things that in vain in vain, if indeed it was in vain. What he's saying here is believing the concept that you're saved by grace through faith, but you keep your salvation by doing good works. He's refuting that idea. He's not advocating dead works or sin. He's just helping people be free from a legalistic mindset. He would preach something like this, and some Pharisee would say, um, so are you saying we should sin? He's like, God forbid, no. What? I hit that a lot because it's thought a lot. So keep going. Galatians 3, 5. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you work and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. You want to know how Adam was considered or Abraham was considered righteous? God said, I'm going to do this. And Abraham went, sounds pretty good to me. Thank you. You are accredited righteousness. That's really as simple as it is. He believed what God said. Now, if you know his story, did he struggle along the way? He messed up big time. I mean, big time. Went and had a child with another woman. God says, do this. And he goes and has a child with another woman. I mean, on a lot of churches... You lost your salvation card right there. You are unrighteous through that behavior. I'm not advocating that. <laughs> but it's a little comforting to me because he made a big mistake, right? <clears throat> know then that it is those of faith who are sons of Abraham. Now, you know, people ask me about Israel and how to frame and see Israel in these times. This is how I see Israel. I'm not really preaching replacement theology, if you're familiar with that term, as much as I am. We're looking at a spiritual perspective. You know, a lot of people that are focused on end times and trying to figure out biblical prophecy through what's happening with Israel, 
Well, you, that's not the scale that God's working on any longer. We're not talking about physical, cultural things. We're talking about spiritual things. So, know then that it is those. Uh, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached that the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, "In you shall all the nations be blessed." So then, those who are of faith and blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith, go read Deuteronomy 28, and you see a lot of the blessing that Abraham received. I'm not necessarily talking about the physical blessings, although those do come along as well. I'm also talking about the heritage that we get to receive as a true child of Abraham in Christ to be a blessing to the nations. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now, you might not know that you're self-righteous, but you probably are in some areas. You wouldn't say, I, did, I, I didn't sin today, therefore I'm righteous. But you might say, well, I really messed up today. I wonder if I've lost my salvation. Both are self-righteousness. Both reveal a legalistic mindset. Does that mean you should continue in sin? No. Thank you. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith, but the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, becoming a curse for us. Do you know what that means? That means God is not judging you. God is not judging nations. I heard a guy say, very prominent guy that people like. I like a lot of this guy's stuff. He said, God judges nations by giving them bad leaders. Well, under the Old Testament, but under the New Covenant, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Jesus paid for the sin of the world once and for all. That's paradoxical, and it's tough to swallow that, but that's the good news. God is not putting Democrats in office to judge America. God is not picking presidents. I mean, he probably will inspire in someone's heart to run, but the order that we see is not him magically pulling the strings to have what he wants on the earth right now. Mankind has a choice to respond. I'm sure there's some great Democrats out there. I'm really not trying to make a political statement. I'm just saying. <clears throat> Cursed is everyone who hanged on a tree so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. Say, that's me. This is bringing it up to real time right now. The blessing of Abraham has come to you. Are, do you see that? All right. So that we might receive received the promised spirit through faith. A little bit more nuance here. Part of the inheritance that you receive is the spirit. To give a human example, brothers, even with a man-made covenant, so this is just going to stop and give us an example. Even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say offsprings referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring, who is Christ. 
This is wordy language to say the promise, and the promise is ultimately wrapped in a new covenant, better than the old covenant, one based on better promises. And that covenant is promised to Abraham's offspring, not offsprings. In other words, meaning it's, it, the covenant promise is made to Jesus, meaning it's up to him to uphold it. You can't uphold the covenant, but he can. Are you with me? And I realize that's kind of technical in a detail, but it's a big deal. You can't break the covenant. You're, it's not up to you to uphold the covenant. You don't even have a covenant with God. Jesus does, but you're a joint heir with Him. How beautiful. It's kind of foolproof for us fools, right? So that we might receive the promise to give... Uh, let's see, next one. This is what I mean. The law which came 430 years afterward does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God so as to make the promise void. For if the inheritance comes by the law, it no longer comes by promise. But God gave it to Abraham by a promise. Why then the law? It was added because of transgressions until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made. Say Jesus. And it was put in place through angels by the intermediary. Now an intermediary implies more than one, but God is one. The law's not bad. It was just temporary. It was fulfilled it's a good idea to know what the law is because there's a lot of wisdom within it, but it is not the standard that God holds you to now. Does that mean you should continue in sin? Is the law then contrary to the promise of God? No. For if, a, for if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. But the Scripture imprisoned everything under sin so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Do you believe? Yeah. Then you have the promise. Now, therefore, faith came. We were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. Last one. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under the guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God. Through faith. Meaning, children of Abraham by faith, join heirs with Jesus. For as many as you of you, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. Where does Israel fit? I don't know where it fits culturally, but this is where it fits spiritually. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male, female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to his promise. And what is that promise again? That his offspring would be a blessing to all nations. Now, some people will say Jesus is the blessing to all nations that God is talking about. And that is true, but it's also you. Why? Because you are a joint heir with Jesus. Because like sola scriptura people will say, you don't have a part to play in it at all. You can't read yourself into scripture. You have to stay out of it, and it's just all of everything's about Jesus. That's true, except for the parts where it's about Jesus and you. <laughs> Meaning you're a joint heir with Jesus. If Jesus is the true heir of the promise, 
that there would be a new covenant that would be a blessing to all nations and you're a joint heir in that covenant, it's you too. We have God's Spirit in us to be a blessing to all nations. If you were to pack it all down in, that's what, the, that's what he's saying here. There's a new and living way. It's apart from the works of the law. It's living by his Spirit. It's, it's you being made a new creation in him. It's you being the heir of what God has been trying to do from the beginning of the world, and that is his people. Be a nation of priests and kings that would rule the earth righteously and justly, establishing the kingdom of God, participating in the increase of the kingdom of God. That's what we do. We carry the gospel and proclaim the gospel because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. That's the heritage that we have as children of God to go into the world and the way that we are a blessing to the nations is we proclaim the gospel. We proclaim the news that captives can be set free, that blind, the blind eyes can open spiritually and physically. That's what's on me like hardcore right now. The body of Christ is called to be a blessing to the nations, starting with our homes and our communities to proclaim the thing that can bring about salvation. That's what I want to do. That's why we broadcast online. That's why we pay for a building is so that we have the opportunity to gather together and remember and remind ourselves of this message and this gospel so that it inspires us to not just be free from our past and not just get our ticket punched to heaven and not just know that God loves you, but to also go into the world. And I'm not necessarily talking about door knocking and Standing on corners, if God calls you to do that, then do that. But collectively, you know? So, so this is where it comes to me. It's like, all right, it's a good word. I'm brought up to here. And to go there, in other words, the next step, I think it's a group effort. It's a collective effort. It's each individually taking upon us that responsibility, but then collectively also, which kind of brings me full circle back to how I started this thing and looking at what we can do as a body to be a blessing in our community, to give our community and those that are watching an opportunity to change their own narrative in their household. Something else to look at that's not distracting and divisive. Something that's unifying, something that brings hope, something that gives them the opportunity to bring salvation. Amen. I want to see that. I want to do that. Y'all want to do that? Yes. Well, let's figure something out to do. We'll have some meetings if y'all have ideas. now. Don't send me your uh, any. Don't send. Don't say, Clint. This is what you need to do. Just keep that email. <laughs> but if you got one that says, "I'd be willing to help do this," bring it on. Amen. Yeah. I, I don't know what it looks like, but I'm excited about it. And I'm not just trying to hype. I, I'm really feeling this from the Lord. Amen. Yeah. Can I just say we have a new, another new beautiful baby back there. Annie's here with her baby. Woo! I know I just went switch gears on you, but I love babies. What's his name? Elias. Elias. Wow, y'all have the best names. Elias deserves a world where his 
but that was pretty slick right there, wasn't it? <laughs> that felt a little manipulative. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'll check myself on that. But you know what I'm saying. I pray. I pray that we each take up that drive, that unction. You know, have you ever been sitting there and it's like, somebody ought to do something? Well, maybe it's you. Whatever that might look like, whatever that step is, I kind of just feel like I'm giving the Holy Spirit a moment to let that marinate. Everybody good? Praise God. Father, we... We, just, we, we want to we want to participate in, in our part of Jesus receiving what he paid for, of the inheritance of Jesus coming to full fruition. You know we, we don't know. We're, we're you know a lot of us don't know how to proceed through these types of uh, situations that we're seeing in our world, legitimate injustice happening all around us. How do we deal with those things, Lord? How do we deal with those things without being suspicious of those that might use this as an opportunity to drive their agendas? Father, we, we, we don't want to be sucked down into the carnal strategic thinking of this. We want to rise above it and see from a spiritual perspective. And that perspective is the body of Christ can step out into the world and say, look, this is who God is. Let's give him a chance. Let's give him an opportunity to touch these hearts in these situations. And then we just trust you. We follow you. Father, I, and, and you may make this personal for yourself. Father, I'm willing to, to, to not yield to deceitful desires. I'm willing to be a good steward of my body and my mind and my life and my resources. I'm willing to guard my heart so that I'm not distracted by what's going on in the world, but I'm motivated by what your spirit desires to do through me. I want to do what you want me to want to do. <laughs> I want to be led by you genuinely. I want to be shaped by you. I want to experience transformation. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your thank you for your body, the body of Christ on this planet to be hope. We love you. We love you. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. And thank you to those of you who support Forward Ministries financially. You truly are changing the way the world sees God. You're helping people detox from performance-based religion and experience God's love for them. We're committed to helping you renew your mind so you'll experience transformation and move forward in every area of your life. I pray you're making this hard journey. Visit my website at clintbyers.com for hundreds of free teachings and articles that will empower you to renew your mind and put on your eternal identity in Christ. I'm especially excited about my tools for transformation that have original music and modern technology designed to help you slow down and connect with the Spirit of God in your heart. I'd like to invite you to partner with Forward Ministries. Help us continue to spread the gospel and develop resources that are empowering people to grow in their identity in Christ. Thank you again for joining me. I pray God's blessings and promises over you and your family today.